Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Going alongside me as always, Seth Barnador, Robert Steeg, special guest, Nick Simon, joining us tonight uh, to discuss some USF football. Um, there was a game played on Friday. Uh, your South Florida Bulls lost 49-21 to UTSA. Uh, it was fun in the first quarter, and then it stopped being fun very, very quickly for your South Florida Bulls. Uh, the defense is still very, very, very bad, and we will talk more about that. But I, being the ultimate fan, I was trying to manifest something on Friday. I personally went bowling in hopes that USF would also get to go bowling on Friday night. Uh, I bowled a 147 and a 135, which felt pretty good. Uh, USF gave up 643 yards of offense. Not great. Um, it's a couple Seth, perfect games as, Seth, as, uh, as you were watching this game unfold, what did you think – about the offense, the defense, what what went wrong in that second quarter? <laughs> I mean, one of the things I've thought, you know, is man, what did Braxton Clark do? Um, but uh, you know, I, it just it gets away from you sometimes. So you know, it, this is not shocking. Like it was not shocking if you listened to the Ponderosa last week, even Pod by the Bay. We thought, you know, we said UTSA scored. I think close to 40 in just about every conference game. They were probably going to score a lot. The one thing that was surprising to me was how weak <laughs> Frank Harris's arm was. Like, I don't know. It, it, he threw the balls in the air forever. And nobody could get to it. It was shocking. Um, so that was a little distressing. But it was not a game I thought they would win. So, you know, didn't really matter if they lost by one or 100. I'd kind of already thought they were going to lose it. I, I thought they started really well on offense, and that was great. But, you know, it was not a shock to see it go the way it went. I thought you had some odd referee decisions that didn't help you either. Uh, but all in all, it's about went about how I expected. And, you know, one thing we talked about is certain guys getting targeted a ton in the passing game. and. That happened again. It didn't hurt you the week before, but it kind of hurt you last week. So um, we'll see if that's a trend that goes forward. But I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't really swayed. This game didn't make me feel good or bad about it. It just kind of thought it kind of was what I thought it was going to be for the most part. Um, minus, you know, some, some, some of those throws from Frank Harris were ridiculously like terrible. And they ended up in touchdowns. So that was yeah. distressing. There, there's a couple of out routes that felt like um, a, a six-year-old threw them would be the probably the kindest way. Like just absolutely floated out there, parabolic. And, I mean, it was like a beach ball sometimes, kind of floating in the floating through the air. Uh, <laughs> that was um, distressing to watch back uh, as well, and it it seemed like every single receiver just had. Um, you know, the the punt returner cone, the cone of safety just around them at all times, um, which is probably the more distressing 
uh, part of this game. Uh, Steve, Nick, you guys can chime in. Thoughts about the game, and uh, we'll kind of discuss what the future holds uh, heading into this week a little bit. But man, it is what it is. I mean, like, first off, like uh, Frank Harris, uh, <laughs> love him. Uh, I mean this in the most utmost respectful way possible. Get a job. <laughs> like him and Cam Rising, just start your careers at Deloitte already. Just get them going. Um, no, but I mean, like, I mean, it was exactly what we kind of expected when you play. I mean, like the whole thing about the Alabama game kind of skewed things a little bit, um, which is the funniest thing to say <clears throat> ever is that Alabama skewed the perception of USF. But I digress. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a more talented team, a team that's won a lot over the last couple of years, has a whole lot of talent, a whole lot of experience together, a whole lot of gelling together, and then a, a good coach uh, and Jeff Trailer. I mean, what else are you kind of looking for to, you know, I you chalk it up as an L. Everyone was chalking this game up as an L at the beginning of the year. We all knew it was going to happen. Like Seth said, it, it didn't matter if they lost by one, if they lost by 30, they were going to lose that game. It's just the way that it kind of goes sometimes. You're playing a team on a team of destiny right now. So, sucks, whatever. You still have the, the season to play for, at least. And see, you mentioned that Alabama game. Um, talk about two different directions for both programs, right? Alabama kind of writes the ship and they look as good as any team in the country right now. And uh, that Alabama game is also more than likely going to be the lowest points allowed by this USF defense this season, which I think is going to, is going to be the funniest thing. And I think that's the fewest points Alabama has scored this season as well. Um, That, that is categorically hilarious to me. And the further away we get from that game, it's clearer and clearer that Nick Saban was doing a bit. Like there's just literally no way he trots out these two god awful quarterbacks and thinks, yeah, these are these are the best options for this team to win. When Jalen Milrone is just sitting there and then he just takes off like he has. Like it had to be a bit. I'm I'm trying to find it. Has Tyler Buckner played in another game since then? Like I, I saw Simpson got in the game last week and then you know fumbled, fumbled before he crossed the goal line. But Tyler, Tyler, Jackson. Tyler Buckner is on a milk carton, man. <laughs> it may have been also letting his hey Tommy Reese, here's your boy. You keep you keep stumping for him. All right, go ahead. Not so good. So it I mean we talked about it shortly after the game. I mean, where does that Alabama quarterback crew rank in terms of worst teams they've played? So Tyler Buckner has not played since the USF game. So for good that, reason. The guy that started the game hasn't played <laughs> since then. Where does that Alabama crew rank on the worst quarterback USF's face this year? Uh, Second to Tyler. last. Who who's worse? Maybe Navy's. Ty Lavatai. Yeah. Yeah. And uh whoever that other guy was. I mean it just the worst Navy quarterback that they've ever had. And they still like, put up 30 points, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, like, they put up 30 points in Alabama. I think it's still Bama. Bama, it took Bama 
until what, like 45 seconds left to score 17. Yeah. I, I actually think that that pass, that passing touchdown that Ty Lavatai had is longer than any play that I'm against USF. Wait, what, a, what, a, what an odd game. But, I mean, seriously, though, that is probably the worst quarterbacks you've played almost all year, including FAMU, including, um, you know, uh, UConn. I'd take the UConn guy over those two. I, I mean, I, I would take, uh, who was it, FAU's backup quarterback? See the guy that yeah, 10-yard out for the touchdown? I'd take him over those hey. two. How does how does Western not get on the Bolitnikov semifinalist award? I mean, I think they I think they suppressed like his like ranking because like well he did do a lot of damage against this USF defense. He's got a hundred. He's got a hundred and four reception in his top ten in yards, and he's a punt returner too. But when your team stinks, nobody cares. So, right. Um, but the I. The elephant in the room. Uh, it's been four years of just really bad defense. Um, at some point, it's not the coaches. And I, I, Seth, you, you can tap out on, on this part of the conversation. Uh, at some point, you got to realize that the players just aren't good. And this is, I, I think a lot of the fan base probably have arrived at that um, line of thinking. There was eight, according to PFF, there were 18 missed tackles on Friday night. 18 missed tackles. Uh, that has been an issue for years. Uh, you've changed defensive coordinators and position coaches multiple times. And like at some, like, You'd think you'd stumble into it. Like, if it wasn't the players, you'd think you'd stumble into a good defensive coordinator hire or a coach who can teach you how to tackle. And for the most part, this team has kind of been in position most of the time. They just either get burned, take a bad angle, can't take get the guy down. They're throwing shoulder tackles, uh, trying to get guys down. At some point, it's just this is just who they are. And for this defense, like we said, like I said, and harped on at the beginning of the season, you're bad until you're not. This defense is still very, very bad slash atrocious. And the numbers may indicate that they're probably better than last year, but it's still an abomination to watch defensively. And like On Saturday, you gotta hope that like all of these, all like most of the two deep on defense graduates. So we're gonna find out pretty soon if it was the players or the coaches who were bad. And I'm leaning toward there's gonna the defense is gonna be a lot better next year. On uh, on Friday, I, I I forgot like so I haven't like really thought about the game until now, and it's just coming back on me. Like the two comedy of error plays where I forget who it was, where the receiver shakes him and like literally he trips and he literally grabs his helmet off. And then the other play where the two where the two guys like literally run into each other. And Cephas scores the touchdown. Yeah. The 60. Yeah, yep. 
just a <laughs> just, uh, just comedy, just a comedy of errors. But yeah, you you touched on it. It's something that I've been kind of saying. It's like you just straight up. I mean, we have like four years of uh, data to prove it. Like you just straight up don't have enough dudes who can compete at this level. Straight up, like you give you consistently give up. This is the third straight year where you're just consistently giving up like over 500 yards a game. This like Friday night. I mean, yeah, we know that UTSA is great. Frank Harris is great. They set program records on offense on Friday. Like <laughs> young program. I mean, if you're going to be bad, be historic, baby. But that's, I think that's, that's like, that was the idea this year. It was, Hey, these were not great. Like, we're not super talented, right? Obviously. Because if they were super talented, it doesn't matter what you call. You can be all right on defense. If, if I can just play man-to-man every play, I don't got to be a genius to be the defensive coordinator, right? If I've got just dudes at corner, we're going to play cover one. Uh, like, that's easy. But So I think they understood that they were personnel deficient. A way to put it. So they're playing a high-variant style where – Sometimes it gets you the stops, and really, your success rate's not terrible. I haven't checked on it, but it was, you know, top 50, which last year it was in the, I think it may have been the worst in the country. So you've really improved there. But the problem is, like, if you give up a, uh, a decent play, you tackle so poorly that it turns into an explosive almost every time. So right. you're just giving up tons and tons of explosives. So, you may be when well, you may be uh, facing the antidote this week, uh, <laughs> but but we'll see. I, I it certainly seems like it's possible. This is like uh, on the blog of a roundtable we talked about. Uh, Nick mentioned Ohio State and Michigan is kind of the unstoppable force, the movable object. Flip that, reverse <laughs> it. That's Charlotte's offense against USS defense. So yeah, it's if. If they can just play a little bit better at home against the bad Charlotte team, I think you yep. feel pretty good about it. And I'm not going to um, pretend like the offense was great on Friday night, right? So after their, after their touchdown uh, with, what, 13-38 left in the first quarter, this was their drives, yards, and result of drive. You may be able to guess what the result of drive was based on the plays and the yards. Uh, three plays, two yards, they punted. Four plays, 30 yards, they punted. Four plays, eight yards, uh, interception on fourth down. Uh, three and out, three plays, three yards. Um, three plays, one yard in the third quarter. Four plays, 11 yards, punt. They finally get a touchdown, but it's basically uh, over with. And then you have two plays in the four, uh, two drives in the fourth quarter. One ends with quite possibly the worst interception I've seen Byron Brown throw. I just a complete underthrowing uh going toward the end zone. I think it would have cut it to like 42-28 or so. like it would have made it a little bit closer, a little bit more competitive. Um and it was still fairly early in the fourth quarter, but just a terrible throw by him. I don't know if it was a misread by the wide receiver, but it was a bad throw and it kind of killed all momentum and to go back to the the main point here. This defense is bad. Frank Harris on his final touchdown. Nine guys went with the running back, and I think three of them still tried to tackle him as Frank Harris kind of walks into the end zone. That's an issue. 
Yeah, I, and I think like USF's almost didn't play to their strength. It felt like at times on offense, it felt like they were trying to slow the game down a little bit too much. Because going in, there was a point in the third quarter where they had run on 57% of plays, and they were not running the ball very well. Um, but they kept running the ball. It ended up being a little bit closer to 50. I think it ended up being where you had more pass than run. But like it was deep in the third quarter, and they had been running 57% of the time. And you were down by a ton. So, you know, I wonder if the defense being bad caused a little bit of that reticence to throw the ball more and get off the field quick, but you weren't running the ball very well. So you're getting off the field quick kind of anyways. So I thought there was some weird stuff in the offense and and just the play calling from the offense in terms of, you know, you were throwing the ball pretty well. In fact, like that's all you did. Well, you, you, you averaged seven yards, a drop back. That's not bad, Uh, but like you couldn't run the ball worth the lick. So it, it it seemed like uh in the yeah forty seven percent of your runs were stopped for two yards or less. So not great. That's not great. Could it have, so, uh, could it have also been a, a bit of you know you don't want Byron Brown to get hurt going into a must win game. That's what it could uh, be. Uh, we're trying we're trying to kind of figure out like why would you be doing? Because I don't think Golish is dumb. I don't no. think he's a bad coach. So when he does something odd, it makes me think, okay, why is he doing this? I couldn't come to a great conclusion in the yeah. game, but that very well could be like Byron got popped right before the half. Like right because there are some people ask, why are they why are they trying to do why are you, why are you exposing him to hits? He got popped pretty good right before the half and kind of got up a little wonky. So maybe it was like, all right, let's just try to get through this. Without right. getting him hurt going to the next week, so that could very well could be. It was just a weird. I thought it was kind of a weird game in terms of play calling. Um, yeah, I mean they Byron was getting hit all the first drive, and I also know that they pro- uh, on top of all the other career record days, they probably also didn't hand uh, Trey Moore the AAC, you know, uh, sacks in a season record, uh, which they very easily could have. Um, yeah, I mean. I just it seemed like I don't want to say that they gave up because I, I don't think they gave up, but it just seemed like they're making a business decision from basically uh, I'd say like midway through the second quarter into into the fourth. I noticed some of the play calling, at least you know, not to not to question it, not you know, we don't know what these play calls are either. Full yeah. full disclosure, we don't know if any of the runs that were there were you know, read pass options, you know, Byron could have pulled it or anything like that. Looking at what UTSA was giving, <laughs> they're basically leaving no linebackers in a box and just kind of begging for USF to either throw it or pop a run. And USF couldn't pop a run. You know, they're, they're getting arm tackled all night, getting tripped up off of, and, you know, a OTR gain. And that was the other part of it. Like UTSA was presenting a light box so they had three down linemen. They're playing a, like a tight front or a mint front, but basically the, it's a five man box. But really, it's a seven man box. They have two guys off the edge that can that are that are like playing out over receivers, but they're basically in the run fits. So it looks like a five man box. So maybe Byram's thinking, oh, it's a five man box run, and it really was always a seven man box. So you kept running into seven man boxes. That could have been the issue. Um, and you saw Golish say when they interviewed him during the game that yeah they're doing some 
they're presenting us some tough looks and doing some doing some giving us some tough reads. So that could have been part of it too, where you know it's just that if you have stuff where your quarterback has to read a lot of it, he's got to be right. And if the defense can make it wrong by showing something different before the snap, maybe you got to stop calling the read plays and just call. Hey, if I want to throw it, I'm just going to call a throw. Right. So I know you you kind of harped on that on on Friday night, kind of during the game, like just make it a simple decision for the quarterback. Yeah. If this if you is, want to if throw this it. is presenting the if this is presenting a challenge for him, we'll take away that part of it and let him do kind of what he is a good drop back passer when he's. Yeah. Just drops back and throws the ball. He he's got a great ball. He's got a good zip on the ball, so he can make the throws. So sometimes you just got to simplify it a little bit. And I know yeah. you know the the RPO is just so theoretically it gives you an answer for everything. Right. But if you keep getting the answer wrong, then go away from it. Like make it right. make it easy where I don't have to. It's not about the decision. It's about can I execute the play goal? So. Yeah. It's it's great theoretically, but if it's not working, maybe you have to move from pay from it. Yeah, and and Golish mentioned in his post game press conference on Friday night, kind of what's been kind of going wrong with the team, uh, the defense. You now he talked about you know coaching. He talked about maturity again. I think that's probably um, his his buzzword over the last month is just maturity. But he also mentioned strength. And, and Steve, you mentioned um, you know some of the guys these arm tackles that they're not getting able to like to break tackles or uh, the, you know, they're, they're getting tripped up really easily. And then obviously on the defense side of the ball, you're they're you know, you hit them at the point of contact and they're still dragging you two, three yards. Uh, that's the kind of look watching the game back um, tonight uh, and prepping for this. It was the amount of times that they're running back to where Frank Harris was hit at, you know, negative one, zero, one yards, and it's still ending up three, four yards down the field. That's the, it, it, you know, it really kind of is about the Jimmys and Joes, and they do not have, they don't have them. That's really what it boils down to. And with that being said, with how bad this defense is, there is still an opportunity to get 50 more practices on Saturday. And that is remarkable. All four of us on this call would have signed up for that when we did our season preview back in August. And that's what we need to keep in mind. This team has won more games than they have in the previous three years. They have already surpassed their 2019 win total. Uh, like this is a remarkable feat of quite literally turning chicken shit into chicken salad for Alex Golish and this staff to get five wins out of a team that there was some changes, but pretty much the same from a one-win team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You bring in some guys, but you're still playing a lot of the guys who have already been here, and you're one win away from bowl eligibility. That is a remarkable feat, and I want everybody, and I mean everybody, to acknowledge and realize this is year one for a coach who does not have almost any of his guys in and he knows there are deficiencies and he is clawing this team to a bowl game that that's damned impressive like if there wasn't for like UNLV like I would think Alex Golish needs to be in the conversation for coach of the year like what he's been able to do is pretty freaking amazing 
I mean, yeah. I, we would have we would have taken four wins. Like if they, if they got like <clears throat> this team got to with finish the season four and eight, we'd be like, hell yeah, that's a that's a steady that's a huge improvement over what this was a year ago. So the fact that, like you said, the fact that we're in a position at the end of the season to be talking about this team potentially going to a bowl game, that's incredible. With this roster, hell yeah. Yeah, and and, and not only that, but like this final game is setting up for a lot of interesting milestones, right? You've got the chance to make a bowl for the first time since 2018, right? And then you've got possibly your first 1,000-yard receiver ever. And then a possibility of a 3,000-yard passer. And it could all happen. It all. These are the things, like, as a fan, these are the games that they kind of give you a little bit of dread. Because, if, you know, if it goes bad, it could all go bad. But it's also, like, after the last four years, you got one game for all these things that possibly happen and a big moment of catharsis and they got to go play it. And that's the fun part, right? You got to, that's, there's, there's the tension. You got to, you got to, you, you don't know what the result's going to be. You go out and you watch it. You cheer the team on. And if they win, man, that'll be a, Big big moment, and if they can win, and then you get a three thousand yard passer, a thousand yard receiver in the same game. Man, I told Nathan to play the play the the good vibes parlay right there. Put them all put them all together, see what it is, and or you could you know go against all of them if you're if you want to emotionally hedge. But but this these are the things is like when if they come through and win this game, it'll be great. This the 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 time leading up to it, the anticipation of it what's at stake, and then you can win a game and you're playing a game with actual stakes in the final game of the year. And not just like bragging right stakes, hoping to play spoiler on somebody else's season. Like, actual stakes for you. I think that's great. And that's all you could ask for in year one. Agreed. Um, With that, um, we're going to wrap this up because we're going to have pretty pretty expansive advanced stat preview on the Ponderosa. We're really going to kind of dig into what's at stake, the legacy, I guess, uh, of this, this program, this season. Um, and maybe, you know, more than that, you know, man, seasons are already almost over. Man. Uh, that's, that's the depressing part is, you know, you get hyped up all off season and then it's over in a blink of an eye. And, uh, that's, that's sad. It's fun. I'm so glad this season has been as fun as it's been for large chunks of it. Um, and the the high degree of comedy sometimes from the defense has also, you know, you also need some comic relief. You know, life's, life's too serious. Sometimes you need comic relief. And that's what the defense has provided. Um, so defense, I'm going to call you out here. Prove me wrong. Shut down the Charlotte team. Get us to a bowl game. Lead the way. See, you got a lot of seniors on that defensive stat, uh, defensive side of the ball. It's going to be your last time playing at Ray J. Lord willing. <laughs> no guess. Prove everybody in this fan base wrong and that you can tackle and you can cover 
and you can compete and win a freaking game. Let's go bowling. Have a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, drive safely. If you're flying, tell the pilot to fly safely. Don't drink and drive. Don't be stupid. Make sure you check Amazon for great deals. Make sure you subscribe to the Ponderosa for the best USF coverage in the Tampa Bay area and within the world. With that, go Bulls. Beat the fuck out of Charlotte. Let's go. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.